Congratulations to Red Bull Racing on winning Super Bowl 74. This is their sixth Super Bowl win. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. If you got that reference at home, give yourself a pat on the back. You have immaculate taste in YouTubers. Hi, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 474 of Motorsport 101. Glad you could join us as ever. And uh, yes, we have a coronation to get to. Uh, we have another crowning because, yes, Max Verstappen is back on form. He clearly took his Singapore beating personally. Um, and uh, yeah, Red Bull has won the Constructors' Championship, which has felt kind of inevitable. For some time. (laughs) They've lost one race. (laughs) Cam, are you trying to play this down? I'm I'm trying to play this down, okay? Like, like, let me cook. (laughs) Uh, no. There will be no cooking on these premises. (laughs) All right. Tell them how you really feel then, Cam. Say hi to everybody. (laughs) Um, hello to the world and all who inhabit it. Man, I'm just, uh, you know, that pole lap. Goddamn. I'm glad that this week on 101, there will be no arguments about track layouts because we can all agree that Suzuka is just as perfect as the day it was first opened. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, does the track layout produce great racing? No. Does anybody care? Also, no. That's how good it is to drive. God damn it, this track is great. I've missed Suzuka. I've missed Suzuka in the dry. Like, just in general. Like, for once, it was we didn't get a typhoon in the area, which is always a plus for multiple good reasons. Um, and this will be, as we know it, the last time we get a Japanese Grand Prix in, in September before it that's, goes to its That's right. This will, be the, this will be the last time that Suzuka is a potential title-deciding round. That sounds like a challenge to Red Bull to wrap this up in April. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they only wrapped it up six races early this time. Oh, God, they wrapped it up six races early. Yeah, it's it's like 2004 Ferraris come back to hit us. It's, isn't it wonderful? Um, <laughs> oh, so, so hi, RJ. How's it going? I'm just glad that... Max Verstappen finally, after seven long days of toil and frustration, we never thought he would ever get to this height ever again in his Formula One career, but (laughs) the long wait, the long drought is finally over. And on the 75th anniversary of the founding of the Honda Motor Company, who are taking credit for this championship... Wow. I have the official headline, Oracle Red Bull Racing wins second consecutive F1 Constructors Championship. Glorious achievement captured in partnership with Honda. Yeah, they, you know, they actually have the stickers on the car this time, which is always a plus. Mm. And well, uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> they 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 appear to take uh, they, they appear to take Singapore very personally, given they also fitted two brand new mighty mighty honda power units to the red bulls for this weekend not that you would know with the other red bull in the way that uh its race went well, well yeah i was here i was thinking alfatari might have had a chance of the points for the first time in a while and that didn't happen <laughs> nah 
No, not really. Um, yeah, so over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour or so, we're going to talk a little bit about Red Bull. Of course, we kind of have to on this one, really, for obvious reasons. Um, a coronation, another Verstappen beating um, on the field, a 20-second win. Um as in number of seconds, it's his 13th win of the year. More on that significance in a minute as well. Um, but, hey, if you're from Woking, good news. Both your cars on the podium for the first time since Monza 2021. Isn't that nice? Is this going to be one of those weird years where we have to, on our awards show later this season, we, we have to do an in-season most improved award because... We thought it was locked on for Aston, but it appears that that has, that momentum has died out. Yeah, McLaren is cooking. Um, like McLaren right now is uh, on fire uh, with that one with Lando Norris. Like fun fact, Lando Norris has finished second four times in the last seven races, and uh, he's right hot. And Oscar Piastri was able to back him up this time with his first Grand Prix podium in third. Only the sixth Australian ever to have an F1 podium, so good for him um, as well. So we'll get into a little bit of that and some of the carnage behind them. We had Mercedes infighting. We had Alpine infighting. We had um, (laughs) Carlos Sainz uh, acknowledging another wonderful Ferrari strategy call. Um, uh, They they use their one win token on the air and they're back to fucking over their drivers. Yeah, back back on form, Carlos. It's like, ah, we, we, we missed you. Or like... You take you take a week off from strategy department running and look what happens. Um, so all of that and of course the news that the seventh the eighteenth and nineteenth seat on the twenty twenty four grid has now been confirmed because uh AlphaTauri announced less than a couple of days after we recorded talking about it uh, that they are indeed keeping Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricardo for next year. We'll talk about some of the ramifications that come with that as well at the back end of the show. But before that, places you can find us real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101, Facebook, same slash line, Twitter at uh, motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles are at Dre underscore WTF1, at cbuckley917, and at RJ O'Connell. Um, if you want to hear more about this race and a certain work-related trip that I may or may not have gone on this past weekend, you can check out the blog section on the website, motorsport101.com, um, and of course there's there's full race reviews of this race and the second race we're recording tonight. That's obviously MotoGP in India. Yes, that Grand Prix did go ahead eventually. Just more on that later on in the week. Uh, but you can read my initial thoughts on that over there as well if you like some bonus content. Um, and of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. All the early perks. Are on there as well. You can you can back us at the five dollar level to get early access to all of our shows. You can upgrade to the ten dollar tier to get access to the recording club where you can listen to this live as they're being recorded. As Jason is doing so right now, who said uh, "Okay, John Boys" in response to my intro. So w- well done, Jason. You got the <laughs> reference. And shout out to our new Patreon backer, MJ Paxton, as well. Thank you very much for backing us on Patreon. We thank you. We, 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 we really appreciate that, MJ. Thank you very much. If you want to join the Discord or do get in touch with me somewhere on the internet. Patreon is shitty when it comes to uh, DMs and whatnot. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, MJ, for uh, for uh, subscribing. Much appreciated. Um, so without further ado, let's get into Red Bull's coronation at the Japanese Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. 
happy birthday, Soichiro Honda. It's not Soichiro Honda's birthday itself, but it is the birthday of the company you founded. And my, how the Japanese Grand Prix has changed in 60 years from a sports and touring car festival in 1963 to an integral and beloved round of the Formula One World Championship in 2023. And as we said, Max Verstappen took his defeat at Singapore personally, very, very personally. He mm-hmm. dominated the whole Japanese Grand Prix weekend after qualifying on pole by half a second from McLaren's Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris. With the McLaren's reverse in the race after Max won by only 20 seconds. With that, Red Bull won their second constructor. Cons- <laughs> With it, Red Bull won their second consecutive constructors' championship and their sixth as a team. We got to hand it to him. Let's talk gushingly about Red Bull. Now they pull out the title win six races early, Dre. Six races early. Um, And look, say what you will about Red Bull. They are not the most popular team in F1 for obvious and... Really? For obvious and understandable reasons. They don't don't do themselves any favors sometimes. But think of it like this. This is the 18th year Red Bull has existed as we know it. They've won a third of the Constructors' Championships they've ever entered. That's incredible. That is an incredible hit rate to win six out of 18 like this. This is an incredible rate for a team that was purchased basically for a dollar because Ford didn't want to be in F1 anymore. Right. You'll win the Ford way or we'll find someone who will. Well, as it turns out, Red Bull will. I hope they enjoy their sticker in three years' time when Ford returns to Formula One, technically. Um, But uh, that is a bonkers hit rate. No matter which way you slice it, it's an incredible um, run of form. And and they they have become the best, well-managed, operated team I can remember in Formula One since prime Ferrari. Like, Mercedes had their dog days. Like, sometimes their strategy department would be a little bit wacky. Sorry, James Vowles. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes their drivers would cause more problems than it was worth. And Red Bull's had those days themselves, too. Any good F1 team worth its salt has. But this is, top to bottom, an incredible Formula 1 team. And I, I want to shout out to Cam and credit him because he's talked about this before on the show. Cam's always had a theory that them losing out on, you know, the 2021 Constructors title, let's not forget, you know. Well, that, it's the, that the, fight. Yeah. It, the, it was that fight with Mercedes. Yeah. They, they, I guess you could say they won the battle, but they didn't win the war, depending on how you determine drivers and Constructors titles. You know, we all know the driver's title is the one you really want to win, but the Constructors actually pays the money. Um, ideally, ideally, you want to do what Red Bull's doing this year, and you will win both. Of course. But uh, uh, if you're going to pick one over the other, you probably want the Constructors from a business standpoint or from a bottom line standpoint. But yeah, losing out on that 2021 double and that fight with Mercedes, I and Cam, like Cam said it, ages ago and as it, as you've seen this season develop into one of the greatest that we've ever seen in this sport it becomes more and more clear that that 2021 fight awakened something in this team because they've never been this good ever yeah, i mean and they had to be it it had to happen because 
Mercedes at that time, even in in somewhat crippled form in 2021, just had an endless well of performance to tap into. Um, Sapia performance resources they they had. They they still have Lewis Hamilton. They upgraded yeah. in the driver department to get George Russell in over Valtteri Bottas. Um, you need in order to fight such an entity, let alone topple them. You need to be the best at everything, and that fight in 2021. I've said it before on the show. Honed Red Bull into an operational wrecking machine um, because you can. You know, you can and rightfully so point at this car, which to be clear, when I saw the RB19 roll off the truck in Bahrain preseason testing, I knew we were all fucked. <laughs> you could just it was, see it. It, it. it was like we didn't want to believe it back in early March, but everybody I think deep down knew it was going to be a matter of how much Rebel wins by as opposed to whether they were going to be under any sort of threat. That was one of the biggest stories of that preseason test besides oh, Aston yeah. Martin surprising people. Yeah, um, and, and with a relatively gentle <clears throat> evolution of what was a, a phenomenal car last year, but a car that had faults. And even this year's car is not perfect. We saw that a week ago. Um, that terrifies me thinking what's going to end up uh, in the RB20 next year. But it's a combination of this incredible car and a car that not only is this fast, and this on the edge of the regulations, but one that's been reliable. Yeah. Um, the only real reliability issue they've had this year was a finger trouble moment um, with a drive shaft in Saudi Arabia. Other than that, they've got a pretty immaculate finishing record other than uh, you know actual on-track incidents. Yeah, and that's, it, a, it, that's a testament to how Honda is turning things around. I don't, yes, technically by the letter of the law, this is not... This is RB Red Bull powertrains, no, not it, it, Honda, it, but it's because it's, it's not Red Bull powertrains because Red Bull powertrains doesn't actually do anything with these until 2026 when they bring in their own power unit. It's yeah, still right. built in Japan. It's still developed in Japan. It's got it's, Honda stickers on it now, unlike most of last year. It's it's a Honda uh, thing. Is, it's it's a remarkable turnaround from GP2 engine memes eight years ago. No, it's no, even no. a remarkable ascension from like. Remember when they won their first race together in 2019? Mm. How could we forget that final lap uh, incident? But and, and since, you know, you talk about the Red Bull's hit rate and the constructors, but really that ended quite emphatically in 2014 when Renault just completely dropped the ball. And no matter how good Red Bull's car was, and they did drop a couple stinkers in that interim period. Mm. It didn't matter how good their car was because they were fighting with oftentimes a 50 to 80 horsepower deficit to those around them. And they were still winning a couple of races per year most seasons. Yeah, two to three most of the um, time. 2015 was the only real properly down year for Red Bull. 2014, yes. they still won three with Daniel Ricciardo. 2016, they still won a couple with Max and well, they Daniel were still taking away the second. They were the only team with a Renault engine that did a goddamn <laughs> thing in 2014. Right. Um, well, you talk about the reliability. Either, even the one-off at Saudi Arabia, they didn't lose anything from that. They still took every point on the table. Yeah, that, that operationally, like you know, Singapore is going to be the one that sticks out for obvious reasons. But if you would have thought they would have lost a huge chunk of points, you probably mm. would have thought that race. No, instead, Max came careening through the field like a chainsaw. 
Yeah, like um, from, yeah they well, got this engine. They got this this third generation Honda power unit in 2021. And they had a tool with which to fight the mighty, the exalted Mercedes power unit. And they've won uh, um, five of the last six. Um, put a two before both those numbers. They've won 25 out of the last 26. I was talking about titles, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That works too. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> since the start of 2021, they have been at minimum equal best team in Formula One at best so ridiculously superior that you have to wonder when the FIA is going to blow their legs off. But it's that. It's the pit stops. Verstappen had a bad pit stop in Japan. The wheels weren't in sync when they went on. It was still a 3.3. It's the pit wall who have nailed nearly every strategy, again, pretty much other than Singapore. Um, And in that, they just got bad timing with the safety car. Not a whole lot you can do about that. It is top to bottom operational excellence, performance excellence. Oh, and Max Verstappen's pretty good at the whole driving a car thing, too. Yeah, Max, Max Verstappen um, was that perfect all adds, Like, Max Verstappen's pole lap was one of the laps of the year. And the other lap of the year in F1 is probably his Monaco lap where he turned on no clip in Sector 3. Yeah, like this... Verstappen cracked 400 points this weekend, and we still have six rounds to go. That's not good. Three of them are sprints. A 500-point season is almost inevitable here. Like, like Ma- Max th- could th- win the championship on a Saturday for, yeah. you know, he win- sprint reasons. <laughs> if, if, if he wins the sprint on Saturday, like next Saturday in Qatar, he wins the title on a Saturday, which hasn't happened, I think, in like 40 uh, if years. If he finishes P6, or yeah. at minimum, you, I, I take those odds. <laughs> You, you get like one to fifty odds at a bookies for Max to finish top six in a sprint. Like this, this was his thirteenth win of the year. He's now the only F one driver in history to have two thirteen win seasons. No what one's the ever fuck? done. Like Michael and Sebastian had one, and as Jason points out, average finish in Grand Prix this year one point three eight when I'm rounding to two decimal places there. He has been unstoppable, inevitable, ridiculous, perfect. As near as perfection as you will likely ever see in an F1 season. This is like, you watch him and he's in a, he's in, he's in a different postcode. The strategy didn't even particularly go in his favor during this race because Oscar Piastri got the chance to stop early because of the VSC. He gained 10 Didn't mean seconds. a damn thing. Didn't mean a damn thing. Max just turned the wick up. I mean, his fastest <clears throat> lap was 1.1 seconds clear of the previous fastest lap entry when he bolted on fresh tires. He's the only driver in the 134s, and he almost cracked 133 in his fastest lap. His qualifying lap was a 128.877. We're doing 88-second laps around Suzuka. Only second laps only Suzuka. lap. Only lap in the 128s in qualifying. And you add all of that together. The best car, the best power unit. Right now, probably the best driver. I'm sure there's plenty of people who argue with that. That's okay. Mm. Um, the roll. The, oper- yeah. the, the pit wall. The operational excellence. And it's just... 
completely taken all competitive sense out of this season. It has been a dick flattening of the highest order. Yeah, like this is like is one of the stats that jumped off the page to me when F1 obviously does its marketing and social media rounds talking about their constructors title, which of course that's what you do. One stat that leapt off the page to me, fastest pit stop eight times this season out of 16 rounds. That is incredible. They've got the best pit stops half the time. Right. And the other half the time, they're not too shabby. Like, they've had the fastest pit stop crew I've ever seen. A bad stop for them is anything over three seconds when that's the average. Like... They they've had like they've had no mechanical breakdowns that have ended a race weekend for them. Their strategy has been more or less perfect. Their operations have been more than more or less perfect. This has been like single handedly for me the greatest season I've ever seen from an F one team. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And what makes it even crazier is that like. Verstappen, who is likely going to win the championship in 10 days' time or so. This is the greatest three-year run I think anybody has ever had in this sport. Like, Even better than Vettel? Like, Vettel 11 to 13, maybe Hamilton 18 to 20, something like that. Maybe Schumacher 02 to 04. I think those are the the set. Like, that's all you can really... But, like... That is pretty friggin' exalted company. Right. Um, and that was with, I mean, in the early 2010s, that was with the rules changing every year to try and blow Red Bull's legs off. Yeah. That was um, with the rules yeah. changing every year in the early 2000s to try and nerf Ferrari. Absolutely. And it, it took the FIA half a decade to bring both of those two factories down a peg. It took eight for Mercedes, really, um, to, to to balance the books on on their run of dominance. It's like for, like Hamilton never had a season like this. Like twenty twenty is the nearest he had where he won eleven out of seventeen. This is on a whole different scale. This is this is like. If Max wins all six of the last remaining races, we are talking 550 points. 550. That's been <laughs> constructors winning totals in competitive years in previous right. year. Add points to that because remember, again, we got sprints coming up. We've got three sprints still left this season. One of them's coming up next weekend in Qatar. So that'd be, so be over 550 points. That's if incredible. He, if he runs the table, he would put nearly 100 points on his own world record for a, for highest points tally of the season. I know we run by different scoring systems. Points have, points have been inflating now. Just a little bit. but uh, yeah, you know, It's like it's everything like, else these days. President yeah. Brandon's causing points inflation in Formula One. More races, bigger calendars, all of that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, I'm not going to get too much more sucked into it, but because you guys know, you guys pretty much know what we're talking about by now, but this has been just a, com- a complete and utter dominance. And one more terrifying thought. Could you imagine if Sergio Perez was running somewhere like Nico Rosberg was back in the day? Um, yeah. Well, that, that perfect season probably would have ended earlier this year, probably in a big pile of carbon fiber rather than being <laughs> slow in Singapore. But they'd, um, have, they'd like to have a lot more points and a lot more podiums. 
they there's a realistic chance. I mean, there was at one point to the start this season that we were like, is a thousand point season possible? <laughs> um, that went by the wayside as soon as Sergio Perez started fucking around and finding out in kind. Mm. Um, Jason also quite rightly puts in the chat his second worst result of the season. This being Max Verstappen. P3 in Baku's sprint with a torn open car. Yeah. A couple of seconds to, to check our early doors, the third place in Baku and the fifth in Singapore. That's the only thing that stopped him from perfection in terms of race finishes this year, including the sprints. It's outrageous. Like, I don't know how anybody could not look at this in awe. Like, 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 Okay, F1 is a sport built on dominance and dick flattening. We all know that, really. We kind of hope for the years where it isn't that. That's what makes the sport the, the fun times it can be. I cannot, as a fan, as a guy that's been watching this for 20-plus 20, 20 years, not admire what the hell I'm watching right here. This is, this is, this is virtually as close to perfection as we will ever see from an F1 team, and God help them. Although, I will also add, it does make what's going on behind them quite fun. Yeah. So let's get into we that. Had, yeah, because behind the new champions, behind Max Verstappen, who had a perfect weekend leading every practice, every qualifying session, and winning the race, almost grand slammed it. Not quite, but it is what it is. Another twist of the tail played out as McLaren had their first double podium since the 2021 Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Charles Leclerc for Ferrari finished fourth, and Mercedes crap scrap with Carlos Sainz over one-stoppers, bullish overtakes, and team orders. And also we found out after the race, Alpine's Pierre, uh, Esteban Ocon was not happy about letting it, uh, Pierre Gasly through on the Other last lap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So it's Gasly the let Ocon through. Don't blame yeah, him. Yeah. Again, Super Formula alum Pierre Gasly. Uh, Dre, are we any closer to figuring out who F1's second best team is? No, and that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I mean, like, we joked about this before we hit the record button that when we inevitably do our award show in December, um, we do have a most improved award. And, like, we thought Aston Martin had this nailed on with a bullet through the summer break. And uh, McLaren have come along and have stolen their money. They've dangled Dan Fallows upside down and taken his Wallace. Um, because now M McLaren were, it's like Red Bull were here, like in their own league. And then McLaren was kind of in their own league of their own in, as the second best team because Norris, again, was excellent. So not, like You could not have asked for any more than Lando and Piastri. Look, okay, this is a small asterisk here. I know a lot of people love Oscar Piastri. He's a very, very nice lad, and I'm very happy he got his first podium. He got beaten by Lando by 17 seconds. Let's pump yeah. the brakes on the hype train just a little bit. Yeah, like, I was surprised at how much his pace fell off after the first round of pit stops. He open, he, he openly admitted that um, he actually wasn't that happy with his race despite finishing third on the road. He was like, well, I've got to do better at high degradation circuits because he mentioned Hungary as well. That was another track where he started strong but faded in the back half because he couldn't look after his hard tires as well as, as Norris does. So These, these, yeah. these heavy, high downforce ground effect cars were munching their tires around this track. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, well, what, like at one point, Bernie Collins, who, um, by the way, does a brilliant job over there at Sky Sports F1, um, Bernie mentioned that uh, at one point, there were, there were 
there were tees and the possibility of three stoppers. Luckily, two was just about viable. But uh, early doors, they were talking about three stops for this Grand Prix. We don't get three stoppers in the Pirelli era very often nowadays because Suzuka is a tire muncher. Um, I don't know how Haas even was able to finish as high as they did. Um, I don't even know timers. why. I don't know why Mercedes and George Russell worked together to think that a one stopper was going to be the way forward for them. And I no. guess they need to do something different on strategy, but like that was not the play. No, and then I think the I think it was overconfidence in their own car because the thing that Mercedes has had over the last two really two years, but especially last year, the one thing they could hang their hat on is that they had much better tire wear than everyone around them, besides probably Red Bull, um, on race day. That did not manifest at all at Suzuka. If anything, the last few races, it's kind of been waning a little bit and a little bit more. To the point where in Singapore, their tire wear was no better than Ferrari's. And we know how bad this Ferrari mm. is on its tires most weekends. Yeah. And McLaren have caught and overtaken them. It's just taken so long for McLaren to actually manifest their own potential that they're really not a threat for second in the constructors. Yeah, exactly. They've they've left it too late, really. They're like they they they'd already chucked away the first half of the season. Um, by the time the upgrade package that really made the difference hit in Austria, and by that point it will, they were already too far back, but they still have a reasonable chance of, I think, at least fourth. Um, like they oh, are, yeah, they're they're, they're annihilating the gap to Aston yeah, Martin. They're forty nine. Yeah, they're 49 behind Aston Martin with six rounds to go. They should pass Aston Martin by the end of the year. I think Ferrari at 113 back is probably a bridge too far for them. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ferrari be- can realistically rack up mid-top 10 positions and protect that. This should it's be all right. Like, it's not like Aston Martin who are scraping eights and ninths on a good day now with Al- Al- Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll. Well, he's just happy to be invited at this point. Lance Stroll has scored a grand total of three points since Austria. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, like Lance Stroll has scored three points, and that like the Austrian Grand Prix was the first week of July. <laughs> it's now the end of September. Lance Stroll has gone from forty-four points to forty-seven. He's actually only one point ahead of Pierre Gasly in the championship now, and there was, a, I'd argue, half the season we've had so far, Aston Martin were the second best team in Formula One, third at yeah. worst. Yeah. So how yeah. many points did uh, how many points did Alonso rack up in that meantime? Uh, I, I, I'll get the calculator out in a minute, but yeah, suffice I'll, to I'll, say, I'll, it's not as much as it was like at the start of the season, where we were thinking Alonso's dead on for podiums, and people were saying, "Oh yeah, this could be the weekend and win." And I keep telling everybody, it's it's going to be a good run of podiums. He's not going to win another race. Well, Alonso's well, now 137 ahead of Stroll. Well, and the thing is, uh, Aston squandered their chance to win a race this year when they completely fucked the wet, the dry to wet transition in Monaco. Mm-hmm. They had they had the field dead to rights and put on an extra set of dries for no good reason. That's what it feels like. It feels like most of this field has tripped over their own dicks. And as a result, I think Mercedes, who have largely been the third best car for most of the year. Like normally, there's been someone who's been a bit better than Mercedes on any given week, whether it be Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin on any given weekend. But because they fucked up the least... They're probably going to end up second. I mean, but it's gotten to a point where Andrew Shovlin admitted 
in regards to the way they played their strategy in Japan that, look, we've got to be careful because Ferrari's right there, and they are right there now because they're only 20 points behind Mercedes now. Yeah, Ferrari's been chewing points. I mean, George Russell really didn't help their efforts last weekend. Uh, But they're slowly chewing their way back through that gap. For all the shit we gave him early doors, Fred Vass has done a pretty damn good job of turning them around quite quickly. Yeah, Yeah, relatively speaking. The bigger thing is is that... Like Fred Cook. I like Fred. Let let Fred Cook. He's doing good work over there at the moment. The problem is the next few rounds are really going to punish the fact that the Mercedes just doesn't make any rear downforce unless they bolt a giant barn door onto the back of it. It's it's true. They're going to get they're going to get blown into the weeds around Qatar. Yeah, like, but even then, Charles Leclerc, low key, has driven very, very well on these bad Ferraris. Again, like, very quietly went about his business this past weekend, finished fourth. That's an excellent result given Ferrari does not like Japan. Like, man drove a very, very good race. Like, it, no one will talk about it because of the other other big news points, but Leclerc is still absolutely quality. Again, people have leapt on the Carlos Sainz wagon, like, ha-ha, given the last two or three weekends that Sainz has been white hot, but Leclerc is still him. Like, like make no mistake about that. Um, but, like, the, the general vibe I, I get right now is that, I mean, Mercedes are interested in, in the, George Russell on a one-stopper was not the way to go. Um, and he and Hamilton got into it over the course of that race. I mean, Hamilton shoved it at Spoon. That was what I like to call a borderline penalty pass, where it's like... But they don't call those F1 anymore. Not really. We all know, like, we all know they don't call those an F1 anymore. That's yeah. as illegal as a headlock. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like you've seen them given as we would say in soccer. Um, but ugh, I'm calling it soccer now because I've been so Americanized lately. I'm just trying to you know, <laughs> avoid any and all confusion. This is, happens, this is what happens when you spend all weekend in Las Vegas, okay? Oh, look, n- nice soccer jersey, Dre. Um, but, um, mm. yeah, but uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a lot that's going on there. I mean, I, I, Mercedes, I, I think a lot of people have been waiting for a reason to dunk on George Russell lately. And I think there's been bigger examples to do so than this race. Like, I'll tell you a little story from from Vegas, because I I don't want to get into it too much, because there wasn't a lot to talk about. It was was a heavy-duty work trip. So let's talk about, did you see anybody get their head squeezed in a vice? No, no. That's, a, that's already an improvement. That's Nobody already... got beat up in a cornfield with a bunch of baseball bats and had to have their brothers watch. <laughs> well, the thing is, there was a lot of discussion last weekend that Mercedes should have ushered George aside to Bollocks. let Lewis, which... No. I know how up Lewis's ass a lot of these people are, but if you're just going to say, no, actually, you've been ahead all race, but you don't deserve to a shot at the win, get a, get out of the way is just not a valid line of thinking. No, it's not. Um, nor would it, I, I don't think it would have helped because I don't think Lewis would have been able to get past either because of the DRS fuckery around Singapore. Right. Like, was um, Lewis there was just nowhere so, for them to pass. Lewis was not evidently so much faster that he would have been able to break that delta. It was an unbeatable combination of Signs and Norris at Singapore that made the difference. I don't think Hamilton was going to be half a second a lap quicker than George in that scenario. We all know that George, at his best, is every bit as good as Hamilton. Like, we've seen it with our own eyes. There are weekends where Russell can convincingly beat Lewis. That, that that is an object that is an unobjectifiable fact. Like 
I don't like where this narrative is now going that George is now suddenly cooked and washed and now a number two at Mercedes. I, I, I don't buy into that nonsense at all. George, like, okay, yes, there was a mitigating factor in what happened last season, but George beat Hamilton on merit. And even if you give Hamilton all the benefits of the doubt, Russell was right there with him all the way through last year. He's earned the right to dictate the pace. And in terms of being able to call his own shots, we've had no problem with drivers in the past like Sebastian Vettel and Carlos Sainz now calling their own shot when we like to mock team strategy departments for being terrible. So why can't George Russell do it? And also, isn't this what everybody wanted when they were wanting like Valtteri Bottas up out the paint for like two to three years at Mercedes? That they felt like Orange Mercedes would be that when they want when they want Mercedes to have two Not, uh, number one drivers instead of like a number one and a clear number two. They well, can't pick up the slack. Well, not the ones who love the fact that Valtteri Bottas was a compliant number two who would roll over anytime he was asked. Yeah. Like the um, best thing that could have happened for Mercedes was that Valtteri Bottas was a team player who did his bit for the team and was a, a for the most part at Mercedes, an excellent teammate. The the ideal guy you would want to have in your racing team. Uh, like let's be, let's be if, you, if you were Toto Wolff, you'd love a driver like Valtteri Bottas at his best because he'd be good enough on a good day to clean up Lewis's mess, but he was but never good enough to get in his way over an entire did. season. They went undefeated in the constructors' championship with that pairing. Right. They won. They went five for five in Constructors' Championships of those two as teammates. So, like, like I, people don't know what they want, and I think people are looking for a reason to clown on George Russell, to which I say, George Russell is not the problem. Mercedes is the problem. They run the strategy department, they make the decisions, and they were late in moving Russell over for Lewis in the first place, and they should never have had George on a one-stopper to begin with. Why are we blaming George for that? I I don't get what they were hedging their bets for because, I mean, just looking at the gaps, there was no play here to get get any higher than maybe they thought they could get Leclerc, but that Mercedes didn't have the pace to beat Leclerc at any stage of this Japanese Grand Prix. And they sure sure as fuck weren't going to get anyone ahead of them because uh, as follows the gaps... Max Verstappen, plus 19.3 on Lando Norris, <laughs> plus 36.4 on, on Oscar Piastri, and plus 43.9 on Charles Leclerc. Like Big said, gaps. Like I said, Charles drove a great race. Charles was, was brought home as much as he could possibly bring out of that Ferrari this weekend. That was the limit. And Ferrari had a better race car this weekend than Mercedes did. The bigger concern that Mercedes should be worried about is the fact they were the fourth best car this weekend. Yeah, because they're not going to maintain problem. second. Like, they'll, they'll keep third. They are going to finish at minimum third in the constructors because Aston sure as shit ain't reviving at this point. Cam, but- do, you, do, you, do you not understand how much of a catastrophic disaster it is for Mercedes that Ferrari, the team we all raked under the coals back in March and April, might straight up beat them for second? Given that's, how uh, that's, honestly, that's a disaster not, for Mercedes. Honestly, wh- who is it more of a disaster for across all of these teams? Probably Aston Martin for fumbling a bag this big. Yeah, because Aston Martin have made no forward steps this year. They came out of the gate swinging in a in a yawning chasm be- behind Red Bull. They were, they were never a challenge to Red Bull outside of Monaco, but they were miles ahead of everyone behind them. Yeah. 
That, let's, let's, it's let's, like someone switched. It's like someone flipped a switch. Let's, let's put it this way. Fernando Alonso's season, first eight races of this year, six podiums out of the first eight. Last eight races, one podium in the last eight. I'm telling it's, you. It's the, like the they regressed to the mean. The development race for teams that aren't in the upper echelon is such a tricky, tricky thing to get right. Remember, we were saying McLaren was going to be either the worst or second worst team in the grid at the start of the season. Now look where they are. Mm-hmm. They've done, they were, the, they were in- the worst team in Formula One. It only took redesigning the entire car. It only took Ferrari redesigning their entire car. It only took Mercedes sticking side pods on the side podless car. The only car that hasn't received major fundamental concept changes during this year has been the Aston Martin, which is more or less a, a tweaked version of how it started. Yeah, people, um, people will think I'm hating when I say this, but this is a team that won eight Constructors' Championships in a row, mm-hmm. and they're about to put £70 million pounds more into rebuilding Brackley. Third, you're, you're not here for, for bronze medal finishes. I'm sorry, oh. you're not. No, like, that, that is and, a disaster for Mercedes. At least they were a comfortable second last year, <laughs> and and it's been a lot. It's just been on the car. Their car is just shit. And Isn't the problem going forward for next year is that you're Mercedes. You just you just stamped it in. You're not here for second or third place. You're here to win. You're not spending all this money. to. You don't employ seven-time World Drivers' Championship winner, Lewis Hamilton, and triple platinum S-tier prospect George Russell to come third. You have the best copying driver. Red yeah. Bull is not Copying Red Bull is not going to get you anywhere. No. Because Red Bull, you have to think, given how I know Adrian Newey and I know Red Bull, Next year's car is going to be an evolution of this one, which was an evolution of the 2022 car. Just copying their concept and seeing where it gets you, it might get you onto their coattails, but it's not going to get you over them. No, and like like I said, this is the best driver lineup in Formula One, in my opinion. You've got Hamilton and Russell. You've got the t- you've got the best driver pairing in Formula One. You've got the most resources of any team out there. Besides maybe not having someone on Adrian Newey's level of expertise, but that didn't stop you when you won eight straight. You have James Allison. James Allison is one of the best in the business in his own right. Like, no one is out here. Like, like again, and you know what? You don't even have the reputation of being, oh, well, Newey's designed your car, so that means it ain't shit. James Allison's gone under the radar having designed, what, five at least championship winners? Look what this man was doing with a sweet fiver and a package of candy over at Lotus a decade Mm -hmm. ago. Man is man is outstanding at what he does. James James Allison can make some cars. Absolutely. He's one of the best in the biz. He's a fantastic um, technical mind. They've been completely destroyed. Yeah, they're going to get outscored by Verstappen alone comfortably. That's rough. Red Bull has double their championship points and that is with one red bull driver who basically hasn't shown up for the last four months you know what i think the problem is i think the problem is that total wolf has just handed a ready-made success story from ross braun shut the fuck up jordan f1 (laughs) fucking moron you insane bastard you know nothing you couldn't engineer your way out of a cardboard box with a knife 
<laughs> like you, you could double Mercedes points in the standings right now, and they'd still be behind Red Bull by thirteen. That's where we're at right now. That is an embarrassing season for a team that is that that gives it the big. One. They double down. They, they double down. down on an awful car from last year. Yeah, and it's going to cost them a year and a half at least. Yeah, you've you're now two years down in development. You're you have to start twenty twenty four, and you have to pray to God that the new because they are doing a clean sheet car for next year that you hit the ground running with that one, and that Red Bull doesn't take another equal size step to last year and. Red Bull is going to take another step. They more or less dropped their last update in Singapore with a relatively minor floor adjustment. They really haven't done a lot to their car this year, and they no. still have a gargantuan performance advantage on race day. Right now, they're not even the best car on their own power unit. There's that times, there's times in that intermediate, but since Austria, when McLaren showed up with their fully redesigned car, that they were debatably the third best car with their own power unit. Lewis Hamilton's not finished second in a Grand Prix since that Austria upgrade. Lando Norris has done it four times. Yeah, the McLaren's a better car than the Mercedes is. It's just they, they've started and so late yeah. in, their, in their resurrection that they're not going to get there. Yeah. Aston Martin for the first half of the year were generally beating the brakes off Mercedes too. But yeah, Hamilton admitted as such after the race. He said, look, we've got to copy McLaren. We've got McLaren's the blueprint. Like, he openly admitted it after the race. And I know all the Hamilton guys on Twitter were like, look at this Hamilton being a team leader. And I'm like, no, he's a, he's basically telling he's being a realist. they stink. <laughs> he's being a realist because you know what McLaren most resembles now? That Navy car about 20 seconds down the road that's been giving everyone the business. And mm -hmm. McLaren were still 20 seconds off the pace being given the business. Yeah. And Lando Norris is an elite level driver. Like well, Norris drove out of his skin on race day and he got 20 seconds put on his head. Yeah. And that's been that's been the story of Lando Norris the second half of this season. He's been outstanding, but he's just not won the big one yet. <laughs> He's a he's a rich man's Kirk Cousins he hasn't only because been Max has been that good. <laughs> okay, no, we don't we don't have to compare Lando Norris to primetime Kirk. <laughs> oh God! Should we get yeah. into the other half of the Red Bull garage? Um, do oh. we need to? Uh, let me put my hazmat suit on because I can't take the stink. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, first and foremost, uh, Alphatari did issue an apology for that piece of artwork and post a new one that doesn't have that iconography on it. And in a follow-up to last weekend's discussion, Alphatari have announced that Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo will be staying with the team in 2024, with Liam Lawson reserved for both Red Bull teams and, according to rumors, potentially guaranteed a contract for 2025 for a race seat. Daniel is still injured via broken metacarpal in his hand and will be out of action until likely the U.S. Grand Prix in Texas. And with only the second seat at Williams, currently occupied by Logan Sargent left, have Red Bull made the right call? Um, this is tough. Um, I think, ultimately, they made the safe call. I don't necessarily think it's the right call, and I'll, I'll and I'll get into why. 
I feel bad for Yuki Tsunoda. I have felt bad for Yuki Tsunoda all season because he didn't ask for this scenario this year. And all people have been very quick to say that, oh, all his good stuff came against Nick DeFreeze. That's not Sonoda's fault. That's Helmut Marco's fault for employing a shit driver in a shit scenario. Okay, that's, that's, that's harsh to say. Nick DeFreeze is not a shit driver. It's just he was put in a shit scenario, right? And a, 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 a scenario that was virtually winless. Wrong person, wrong place, wrong time, I would Agreed. say. Harvard yeah. life is going to be much better for him. Well, or, you know, more than, not well, more than that. Life. Well, more than that, now given he's, he was announced today, he's going to Mahindra in Formula E. Um, As so if he didn't have a shit enough car in Formula 1, now he's a shit car over there. Oh, brother. Strong uh, team here, like, like Mahindra over there, him with Edo Mortara. That's a team. Like, yeah, the driver's that, is, not no, be... that is a driver lineup. That is not a team. Yeah. <laughs> driver's not going to be the problem there. But like, yeah. Um, Yuki's been doing what has been asked of him in a car that is underperformed its potential and even after upgrades this year is still not where i think it should be Look, they're, yeah. they're, on, they're on the fringe of points on a good day that's yeah. where they're at right now like daniel ricardo, got the car in a q3 this weekend yeah uh, yeah very nearly missed out daniel ricardo is still out with that broken metacarpal they're saying that texas is likely where he will come back now in october um which means he'll almost certainly miss qatar and look, if you're going to blow up this team, you have to see the Ricardo experiment through. Like, otherwise, this was all pointless. Um, and I, I stand by that take. And the problem I have with all of this is that Lawson has been excellent from day one. And you back this up again with another strong weekend in Japan where he nearly made Q3, missed out by Western attempt, and then beat Sonoda straight up head to head. Like, that's. Again, Lawson wasn't even happy about that because they felt like both cars could have a chance at the points. Yeah. And they're what, 11th and 12th on the day, you know? Yeah. So, and mm. every point counts in that bottom of the table scrap right now. And they were just outside looking in against Alpine, who made a holdix of their race, but still just about got through. I don't have any problem with the three of those drivers that are in contention for the two AlphaTauri seats. I think the problem is Sergio Perez. It was uh, awful again. No, this was arguably his worst race weekend in Formula One. He was horrendous. Um, I've been I've been a fan of Sergio Perez for twelve years, and I can tell you that, like, yeah, that's the worst weekend he's ever had as a Formula One driver. Out qualified by three quarters of a second, hits Hamilton on the opening lap, loses a front wing, hits Magnussen, loses another front wing. With one of the most amateurish attempts at an overtake I think I've seen in the modern Formula One age. That was a bad, like, that that was just, like, we groaned. I know, he's playing Gran Turismo Sport. Like, we we groaned in Vegas when that overtake went down. And it wasn't just because Ahas was the one that was hit. Um, We were just like, what? We were just like, what the fuck was that, Checo? Honestly, like, he's better than that. He came in from about 25 meters back at the hairpin. It was a carbon copy of Canapino and Iolot from the IndyCar season finale. Oh, God. Tried, tried, tried to outbreak himself while Madison's gone the long way around. Perez on the inside's lost control of his car, locked up and gone into the side of Magnussen. Um, and Magnussen, who had no problem throwing shade by saying it was a shitty move for a shitty position. Um, <laughs> He's not wrong. He's he not is wrong. not wrong that but, Sergio but you know Perez should not be fighting like this. But you know what? It's bad. 
you know when it's bad when we're asking, is this your worst weekend in Formula One? Two weekends in succession? Yeah. Because he's, he's six now he's points in a week. He's destroyed three drivers' races in the space of two weekends. Yeah. He's he's picked up six penalty points in a week. Is that good? It's no, dreadful. that's not. It's halfway like, to we, a race ban. That's more than halfway to a race ban. And this in a car that is going to win both championships by a, an inconceivable points gap. Mm-hmm. We're now, looking at record-breaking numbers across the board here. Max Verstappen just cracked 400 points this weekend. Perez is second in the championship on 223. We could be talking about the potential of this being the saddest runner-up season in Formula One history. Yeah. Like, this is rough. Like, he's 33 ahead of Hamilton, and we've just roasted Mercedes for being basically the third best car all season. Like... uh, Now seemingly definitive fourth best. There is a legitimate shot that Lewis Hamilton catches him for second in the championship. Great. I got a question. Fire. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about this, and we were certain Perez is going to see out the end of his Rebel contract through 2024. Are you certain of it now, still? No. This, this is this this is untenable. Like for like right now, the only thing that is saving Perez from a culling at the end of the season is the fact that Red Bull are so far ahead of everybody else right now. They only need one car to dominate a weekend. If, if there was anything like a competitive field in Formula 1 now, we'd be looking at Sergio Perez in the same way we look at Lance Stroll right now. Am I wrong here? You're, you're I, don't, wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And, like, for me, for me, it was Miami. I think Miami broke him mentally. Because that he should have won that race at a cakewalk, started on pole, Ran away with it. Oh, oh, by the way, Max has just won from ninth in a Perez race that was all about tire management. I Max said was faster. <laughs> Max was faster on tires that were dozens of laps old compared to Perez on fresh ones. I said at the time that Miami was an I'm not him moment. I did not think that this would go this far into the season. <sighs> and, keep him, and to clarify... I'm not asking him to beat Max Verstappen, who is on a generational ruthless streak right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking this dude to be at par. And since Miami, one, two, three, four podiums since Miami. Four podiums. Since then, in Max his... Verstappen has won all but one race. Four podiums in his last eleven. Yeah, the, that's the thing the that bothers me. That's the that's the thing that bothers me. It's not the the Q one and the Q two S. It's the fact that the podiums just aren't there to pick it up. Yeah, and in an environment where Red Bull is the only championship contender, a lot of people were just like, "Well, can you give us interesting competition?" And no, we can't. Absolutely not. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I mean. Tough. Verstappen was on forty six lap old tires when he pitted. In Miami, Jesus Christ! I mean, but but everything since I mean, he wiped out Yuki first thing in Singapore. Then he wipes out Albon with a horrendous attempt at overtake, and then he somehow topped the Albon takedown with this takedown. I mean, great for points in Burnout Paradise. Don't get me wrong. Mm. T Bone, 
Um, not so great for Formula One World Constructors Championship points. No. The only notable thing that came out of this weekend for Perez, other than how dreadful it was, was uh, was what is officially a 40-something minute pit stop. 43-minute uh, pit. I mean, he doesn't have a patch on Bottas's 40-hour pit stop, but... Yeah, yeah, know. that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's basically like they want him to serve a five-second penalty during the race uh, so that he does... He got ten, two separate ten, five seconds. Yeah, but didn't he serve the first five-second penalty and then had to serve another one, but then he retired? Oh, Either no. way, they had to avoid a grip. They were trying to avoid a grip penalty for Qatar. People are big mad about it because it's Red Bull exploiting a loophole in the rules. Like, I don't give a shit about it. Me being conditioned to American motorsport, I can remember a time when NASCAR teams would junk a car, spend like two hours trying to finish it, and then get back out on the track. This before the repair clock was a thing, and they still do it in IndyCar to this day. I'm not bothered by it. Uh, look, motorsport teams are fill are li- quite literally employ people to pour over every word in the rule book to look at where the loopholes are. I will resurrect from the dead. Perhaps the only valuable quote I've ever brought to this network. Back when Mercedes <laughs> introduced DAS. Doing something that meets the letter of the rules while laughing in the face of the spirit of the rules is what motorsport is all about. Damn right. Red Bull did nothing wrong. I wouldn't even call it a loophole. If, if you can fix a race car and it's safe to continue, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, Porsche Porsche spent an hour in the garage in 2017 at Le Mans. They ended up winning the race. That's right. We, we were denied We were denied an LMP2 overall victory because of it. Yeah, if the car is safe, you send him out. Yeah, he's not going to be classified for points, but I didn't see anything egregious with it. The thing that's egregious to me is, like, this is the worst Perez has been in Formula 1. It's worse than the one year at McLaren. It's worse than his rookie year at Sauber. Well, I don't I'm, think I, I don't think anyone could have possibly predicted that McLaren would enter a decade long fall from grace when he got there. Thanks to poor car development choices. There was like genuine talk that Sergio Perez would be shunned off to IndyCar after three years in Formula One when he's clearly a better driver than that. Now he's racked up 13 years worth of mileage. He's got multiple Grand Prix victories, but I'm worried like he's probably going to go out of the sport sad. I, I just think Max has completely broken him mentally. And I think the inflection point was Miami, where you would never expect the same car, one finishing, one starting the race in first, one starting in ninth, that the car starting in ninth would not only win, but win at a canter. I, I wouldn't even necessarily say that Miami broke him. I think he was starting to get back in line after that horrible run of Q1 and Q2 exits. The last two weekends, something has changed. I don't understand what that is because I I had to read many a transcript and many an interview from Sergio in the last month, and he was genuinely optimistic that he was going to figure this car out and challenge. I don't know what happened, but he's had back-to-back horrendous weekends, and it may end up costing him his job because right now, if 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 he loses his gig, then there's no other seat for him. The only one left is Logan Sargent's at Williams, and we that don't know what James Valls is, cook- is cooking down there. Like Sargent has not been good, right? But Valls is giving him every chance from what I've been told. He's, he's giving Valls, Valls has given Sargent every chance to show something to keep his job. 
Well, I wouldn't go off of this weekend then because Logan Sargent did exactly what we talked about Perez doing into the side of Valtteri Bottas. And hit the bump at the outside of the final quarter when he wasn't on that that was going to get him into Q2. The 05 Montoya crash. The 05 Monty. Ah, the classic. (laughs) There's a bump on the outside of that final corner. Don't hit the bump. Like, don't. Some F1 games taught me that it was right at the apex of the corner, and that's why I can't take that full throttle in some of the games. But then again, some people will argue that the Cody's EA rendition of Suzuka is not all that accurate. Like, it's, yeah. it's it's garbage is what it is, and they're never going to fix it. And I'm resigned to that fact. Well, at yeah. least the World Rally Championship game is looking very, very good out of the box. Indeed. And that's and that's only fun. hope. But uh, before I get out of here, as well, I don't want to end the podcast on a particularly sour note again. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to very briefly when I say stop being misogynistic pigs about Jessica Hawkins getting an F1 test, please. For the love of fucking Christ. Like, we, we are, people are getting their pearls in a bunch over a correlation test in a two year old car. <laughs> like, like, are, are we Touch that? some fucking grass. Jesus Christ. Like, I, I find it, I, I, it will never cease to amaze me how emotionally fragile some men are that if a woman gets within 500 feet of a Formula One car, they shit themselves. It is fucking outrageous. Like, on a, on a personal note, we intentionally made the choice to cover that test on WTF1, website article-wise, social media-wise, YouTube short-wise, and the amount of comments of, oh, get back in the kitchen, or what were the times, which we all know is a dog whistle, because we want to compare it to the man driving an F1 car. We all know how this story goes. Um, And just the general wave of misogyny has been nothing short of disgusting. Like, we have got to do so much better than this. Like, the idea of a woman getting... Like, this was the first time in five years a woman had even got to test an F1 car in modern in modern equipment. Eesh. Like, it's been five years. Five. And, like, for the, the first woman to test an F1 car in five years and the community shits itself. I, I just... Oh, like, for fuck's sake. Like, we have got to do so much better across the board. It's so abundantly frustrating. Like, please stop treating women like second-class citizens in life. Please, for the love of fucking God. It's so infuriating. No, I, I agree. Like, I, I And I know Formula One and endurance racing are two different things, but it's a stark contrast from... You see within the WEC paddock, you see within the IMSA paddock, everyone loves Iron Dames. Everyone loves it when Lilo Wadu wins a race at Spa. Everyone loves all that stuff. And when we get to F1, it's just like... Hissing, every woman, screaming, every, crying fits over it. Any woman that gets in a car has to be at Ham, prime Hamilton, prime Verstappen pace to even be considered worthy of doing a correlation test in a two-year-old car with not even like a whiff of a guarantee that this will even lead to a drive in the first place. Not even not even close. This was literally a correlation test. And Aston, like, Aston Martin themselves said Jessica was Are we, are we was, gatekeeping, was like, one-off tests like this? Like Yes, right. we are. Apparently. We are gatekeeping one-off tests because... We think it's a there's a lot of men who are too scared to admit they just want to see men in their big macho man sport. It's pathetic. Grow up. It is it is ridiculous that we even have to mention this. And <laughs> I'll, to end the show, I'll I'll mention a very profound quote from our friend of yours, Hazel Southwell, who quite rightly pointed out 
that 760 men have taken part in Formula One, as we know it over the last 74 years. Leila Lombardi has automatically finished better than half of those men because she has something that half of F1 has never had, a point scoring finish. Think about that. Formula One is back in Qatar next weekend. It's likely going to be a a Verstappen coronation tour, probably as early as Saturday morning. All he needs is a top six finish in the sprint, and Max will be guaranteed to leave Qatar as world champion for the third time in a row. Have fun with that one. We'll be back for the MotoGP race next episode. Um... Yeah, well, that, that'll be up uh, next up on MotoGP's debut weekend in India. And boy, there's a lot of shit to get through with that one. Fascinating weekend on and off the track. So we'll get into that very shortly. But uh, from me, Dre Harrison, from Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Congratulations and good luck, Rio. Get well soon, Naoki. Finally, GP1 engine.